thank you for tuning into Holistic Finance, where we promote financial balance and financial health. Our mission is to simplify your finances so you can focus on your practice and enjoy life. Now, here are your hosts, Ryan Burklow and Alex Collins. Welcome back to Holistic Finance. I am your host, Ryan Burklow. With me, as always, is Alexander Collins. And on today's episode, you're going to get a brief history lesson on how America has looked and dealt with money. And the reason we're going to go through that experience or that history lesson is for you to take a look at what have you experienced with money that has changed over time possibly, or maybe you should be looking at changing. It's really interesting to uh, to dig into the various different events that shaped how generations think about money and what some of the misconceptions that come out of that are. Uh, we're, we're not necessarily going to get into the misconceptions today, but it's it's just fascinating to, to see where some of the where some of the thoughts on how you should use money and finances come from uh, and, and how that has changed over time. And the thing that got me is, uh, as you and I were just discussing this, Alex, before we decided to hop on and record this, you know, we're going through the history and talking about what was going on in that world. And you can literally see where different sayings and different reasons people choose to do whatever with their money and where it came from based on what has happened in this country. Oh, like a, a penny saved is a penny earned? Exactly. Which I don't know if I paid you to do that. Um, that was a perfect segue <laughs> to, to the beginning of our history lesson here, um, which which starts with the Great Depression, right? That's where we're going to start this this conversation. Yeah, it's. Uh... I mean, you went from the roaring 20s to uh, to the stock market crashing and, and then the Dust Bowl. And when you think about that Great Depression era, right, we've got ton of job loss, people scraping to get by. And really, at that point, they were nervous and scared of the market because that's part of the Great Depression, right? There was that, that blow up of the market at that point. For sure. And so because of that, really the people from this generation, it was the grind and it was also save every penny that you can. Uh, this is also where the, the concept of like needing to pay off the mortgage, this is one of the two places that needing to pay off the mortgage comes from. And that is that during the Great Depression, mortgages were callable. Meaning if, if you owed money to the bank on your house, the bank could just call you up and say, hey, you've got 30 days, 60 days to pay your balance in full. Or we're taking your house. Like, Think about that for a second. Like, Imagine today, Ryan, could you write a check for your entire mortgage right now? Um, not the way I'd want to, no. You're one of the few people who I know who actually probably could do it. It would be really, really, really painful for you to do it, but you could. The vast majority of my clients, uh, myself included, I'm not sure I could come up with enough cash to be able to write a check to pay off my mortgage. 
so this is where that that the savings habit begins. This is where the the debt conversation begins, right? We're trying to pay off the debt as fast as possible because we're nervous about them calling the note back, right? So put yourself in that situation. That's what you just experience, okay? Then you have this grand, huge World War II occur. <laughs> Changed a few things, right? World War II occurs, you've got a bunch of jobs created that are, people are building boats for the war. People are building tanks, like, right? Think about the different jobs that are created for World War II. At the end of World War II, you've got hundreds of thousands of soldiers coming back from the war. You've got zero housing construction really occurring because it ground to a halt because people were building bombs and boats and tanks. Yeah, you, sh you shifted from... Uh from producing cars and building houses and doing infrastructure to you know, Rosie the Riveter helping out with uh, building building the machines of war. And if you no longer need to build bombs and tanks, now all of a sudden those specific jobs that were created for that are no longer necessary. You've got all of these men coming back from war who get married rather quickly because they're wanting to A, move on with their life and B, like they're just wanting that family to come together. So what occurs, what does America do? Right, this is that big boom in the economy that occurs. Well, America creates a GI Bill, which allows for our American soldiers to buy homes and buy them at low interest rates. And all of these American soldiers are driven and they're wanting to succeed. So you've got all of these businesses coming together. You've got this economic boom that occurs. So people are able to buy homes. They're able to have credit cards. Their incomes are growing so rapidly. And what's also growing, this is where debt comes into the conversation where high levels of debt occurs but because their incomes are also growing at such an exponential rate that their debt to income ratio is still really, really small. Right. You wind up with, uh, you know, seeing some, some leaps forward in terms of technology and, and the ability to, uh, to, to produce more. Um, and that is, that's almost on the, the back of uh, having ramped up production for the war it just that production got retasked from from war machines to uh, to various different infrastructure and and rebuilding the country. Right, keeping up the with the Joneses comes from this era. Right. So we just were in the Great Depression. We we're talking about saving a bunch of money and paying off debt as fast as possible because you're nervous. To Let's go into debt because our incomes are are growing so rapidly that we don't care. <laughs> like Very. They, uh, they did, but I, I realize I'm going like over general there, but that's really what kind of happened. Yeah, uh, clash of worlds. So we go from those two generations to now. Let's jump to let's jump to the 70s here, Alex. I know we're 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 jumping a decade here, but. Jump into the the seventies here. Sure. So the in the seventies, you you've got uh, you know massive uh, uh, increases in the cost of oil. Uh, OPEC uh, comes about. You have a couple different uh, market crashes. You've got the U.S. ending 
the uh, the gold standard. Uh, there's a tremendous amount of of strife that has gone on, um, and so you see interest rates spike. You see uh, productivity drop. Um, now you, you, there there are a whole bunch of of headwinds, uh, inflation, interest rates, etc. Um, and then we get to the 80s. We get to the 80s. Ronald Reagan becomes president. For the first time, well, not for the first time, but in droves, we had women going to work. Mm -hmm. the, the, the economy changes a bit here in the 80s, where it starts, the 70s kind of stalled and the interest rates are, are going high, and the 80s all of a sudden changes the direction back to a boom. Yeah, you've got some uh, some tax cuts, you've got interest rates coming down. Um, you know, it, it's really interesting because, um, again, when we think about it in terms of housing, um, I remember hearing stories uh, from clients, from parents, things of that nature about, you know, having a mortgage at like 18% and being excited yep. that it's 18%. And yep. like, I, I'm trying to think about what that would mean today if my mortgage were at 18 percent and and like i don't think we'd own the homes that we own if that was the case well so it would roughly triple my mortgage payment <laughs> like think about so you're that saying your debt to in, your debt to income ratio would be not so good oh like pretty much all of my <laughs> income would go to just paying the mortgage um and this is again another place where like getting rid of that mortgage comes from is because mortgages were ridiculously high in terms of the cost of the debt and then we you know we're going to fast forward here to where we're at right now right we've got we've got lower interest rates we still have that I, get, I hate to say it this way, like keeping up with the Joneses mentality where we're, you know, Americans are still taking on a bunch of debt. Their incomes have not grown as fast as it was in the 50s, right? But that mentality is still continued on. And even though we've got low interest rates, we still are taking on a lot of debt, but the income is not grown. So that means that debt to income ratio is getting higher and higher. Mm -hmm. And you can see where all of this is stemmed from. When you look, and this is just you know the last hundred years. This is if you look at where we started in the Great Depression to where we're at today and what's occurred, you can literally see where our experiences with money and where we're at right now. Yeah, I mean, just going back to the 2000s for a quick second, you've got you know two massive economic issues that occurred, uh, kind of bookending that that decade, uh, 2001, 2002 or 2000, 2001, 2002, three straight years in, in which you had uh, down markets, depressed economies uh, for a host of different reasons. Um, and and then in the middle, you've got a boom, uh, it's specifically a massive housing boom. And uh, then in, in uh, October of 07 through March of 09, you've got the economy essentially collapsing and, and this, like those two things, put massive pressure on keeping real wages in check, 
so that we didn't see wage growth. We didn't see uh, economic growth through, throughout this decade, despite massive technological advances uh, and really good times for, for a lot of folks. Uh, the, the two massive economic uh, hiccups is not the right word. Uh, could almost catastrophes is maybe too strong. Um, but uh, the two major major economic meltdowns uh, caused tremendous amount of strife and, and kept wages really in check during the 2000s. So we've got these different generations that have had different experiences with money. And many of us, our first education around money comes from the family. And that's not to say that what you've been told is right or wrong, but it's more to understand where everything comes from and how times change. And what has been told may not be truth in the moment that we're living today. Yeah, what's what's the lens through which you're looking at stuff? Like what was the perspective of the folks that taught you about finances? Whether it was uh, your parents, close family friend, teacher, like what, what was the lens that you were looking through and how did that color or change or distort your view on things? You know, it, it's amazing when we ta- start taking a look at, at the, the different perspectives, like why something is good or bad or, or how we view it when it comes to finances. And I don't know what the exact stat is, um, but unless you study finance, and, and like for a living, well, I guess it could be a hobby, but this is something you do all the, all day, every day. What you understand or know about money, the bulk of it is from the experience that you've been raised and and are having now. So depending on what generation you're a part of, that knowledge is going to be specific to what was going on in the world at that time. And how much of that carries forward, that's the knowledge that sometimes we don't know that we need to know. Yeah, well, and, I mean, even <clears throat> different generations experiencing the same event might experience it dramatically differently. Depending on your stat, your your income and, and economic status at that point, yeah, absolutely. Or, or even just, like, I'm thinking about it from, like, a where you are in your career. Like, for, for example, if you compare the baby boomers experience with the the stock market crash in in 2008 and compare that with say the millennial view of of what occurred um for a lot of millennials it, it showed there is no job stability and so this the whole gig economy concept of like writing your own boss and, and and you know a side hustle or however you want to describe it like really was spawned from that occurring and then for uh for the baby boomer generation a lot of them didn't necessarily lose their jobs or or if they did it wasn't a long-term issue um uh, for for many of them anyway Uh, for some it certainly was but for many it wasn't 
<clears throat> and where they got hurt was in the the value of their home or the value of their financial assets. And so it taught them to distrust certain markets um, as opposed to distrusting their company. The purpose of this episode, well, really the purpose of every episode that we produce is, is really look, having people think differently about their money. And an episode that we hadn't recorded is, well, to have you think differently about money, you have to understand what experience and knowledge you've brought to the table to begin with, which that's a beast. Yeah. And where, where did that knowledge come from and what is it founded on? It, it's amazing when we start digging into these things, like things that we accept as truth because it's been, it was taught to us so long ago may not actually be truth. Or it may have been truth at the time and now no longer applies. Yep. You know, and, and the perfect example of that is thinking about mortgages. When we think about mortgages being callable in the 30s, the, you know, 18, 20, 25% interest rates on mortgages in the, the late 70s, early 80s. Um, you know, the fact that uh, loans used to be assumable. Meaning that if I bought my house from you, I could assume your loan. Like, think about that in today's world. That's crazy, right? Yep. I mean, let's ignore the fact that, like, you and I have are fairly similar in this aspect, but we may not be similar in terms of our credit risk. <laughs> Like let Very alone yeah. anything else. And so it's just, it's crazy to think about some of the things that, that existed that, that most people don't even have a, a clue or a concept around how, how it used to work or, or why, why, like where a penny saved a penny is a penny earned comes from. So with all of that being said, we've all learned and experienced different things with money. Something for you to think about. Which takes us to the question of the day, Mr. Collins. What have you learned about money that you are now questioning? We hope you receive value out of today's episode. If you have any questions or if you have a topic that you would like for us to speak about on the podcast, make sure you head to holistic-finance.com. And at the bottom of that page, there's a way for you to engage with us there. If you're active on social media, you can find our Facebook page at Holistic Finance QFP. We tend to be active there. And as always, we hope that you have a good rest of your day and make it a great day. This podcast is for informational purposes only and it's not to be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice. Although the information has been gathered from sources believed to be reliable, please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should be relied upon only when coordinated with individual professional advice. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by Park Avenue Securities Guardian or Quantified Financial Partners and opinions stated are their own. Guardian, its subsidiaries, agents, and employees do not provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. Consult your tax, legal, or accounting professional regarding your individual situation. All investments and investment strategies contain risk and may lose value. Brian and Alex are registered representatives and financial advisors of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, OSJ 333 North Indian Hill Boulevard, Claremont, California 91711. 
909-399-1100. Securities products and advisory services offered through Park Avenue Securities, FEMBRA, FEMRA, SIPC. Financial representatives of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. Park Avenue Securities is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Bonafide Financial Partners is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Park Avenue Securities.